again, it's back to the mastery of the writing. It's like, you feel like you know all of these people, even if you don't know them. These are things that we've all maybe felt at one point or another. Isolation and how that affects how we form relationships and how the simple act of connecting can really turn that feeling around. Just being reminded that we're not alone is so powerful. I think it does sort of brush against that as well. Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Yeah, yeah it is. a while since we've done this intro. I feel like <laughs> we've been apart for so long. Yeah. Well, let's start as we always do with our Patreon shout outs. Uh, This is our special thank you to everyone who subscribed at our Patreon name in the credits tier for the month of July. So that's a very big thank you to Genevieve, Lindsay, Jackie, Pimhatai, Adiyinka, CV Mess, Ava, and Sammy. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can subscribe for as little as just $2 a month and get access to our monthly Patreon bonus series. For July's bonus episode, uh, we did a follow-up conversation on Tears of the Kingdom and really got into the weeds on our experiences with the game. Uh, we relived our hypest moments. We talked about our favorite side quests. We picked our favorite hotties and our favorite <laughs> weird little guys in the game. It's a really fun conversation. Uh, so if if you want to hear us talk more about Zelda um, or just anything, want to get more pixel therapy in your life, uh, come check us out over on the Patreon and get access to over 30 bonus episodes of the podcast. You could really fill a week listening yeah, to all of those. A whole full time job just listening to us talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a horrible job. If you already <laughs> subscribe or you're looking for a way to show your support for free, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, every review there does matter, especially for a small podcast like us. And know that no matter how you choose to engage with us, we appreciate you being here all the same. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time to get cozy, pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch. Let's talk about our feelings. Spencer, how are you? I mean, I feel I'm great. I feel like uh, (laughs) I made the typical mistake of just talking to you about every single thing on my mind before we hit record. And now I'm like, hmm, how am I? Um, (laughs) I'm good. I'm in a brief respite between work travel trips, Um, just like ping ponging back and forth coast to coast (laughs) of this great country um so i'm just trying to recover a little bit before i have to do that again uh, in a couple days but it's good to be home even for just just a few days um uh, there was a fine layer of dust uh, on upon my belongings it felt like in my room when we came back uh we just my partner and i just came back from like a three-week trip to california um checked out a lot of areas in the in the bay as people mm. call it <laughs> mm-hmm. they do call um, it that i've heard they do call it that um <laughs> makes sense um and yeah just we we just were talking about uh we recently saw the barbie movie uh mm-hmm. did you do the back-to-back thing or did you see did you see barbie and oppenheimer on two separate occasions 
did the same day. Did the same day. Nice. So we went to see Oppenheimer in the morning, kind of first thing. It felt like Smart. we needed to be fresh yes. and, <laughs> and alert for that. So we went and saw that at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday. And then, you know, came home, recuperated, had lunch, took the dogs out, and then mm. in the evening went to see Barbie. Um, see, that's so the way to do quite, it. Yeah, not quite the true, authentic Barbenheimer experience, but we <laughs> did keep it within a 24-hour period, so I feel I feel proud of us. Did you wear pink? Did no, Cole wear I didn't pink? wear pink. <laughs> Colt did not wear pink either, no. Oh, it's um, out of character. I know, but uh, when we left, he was he did mention how cute Ryan Gosling was in the movie. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> you only saw Barbie, right? You haven't done yeah. the full Oppenheimer experience. I just, I'm not mentally ready for that. <laughs> yeah, it's that's it does take a certain level of composure. <laughs> yeah. But I like I love seeing all the looks. Like people were really turning out looks were looking um i mean nice. i felt underdressed i didn't i don't i think i own anything pink um but it was just kind of cool to see i don't know there's something about there being this pomp and circumstance around going to the cinema uh that i feel like we don't do so much in our modern era um just around uh, going to see a film being like a thing that is an event for the afternoon or the evening mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i just i like that kind of vibe and i i want to do that more because uh movie theaters um you know they've lost a lot of uh respect in the past few years with the rise of <laughs> streaming and the pandemic and uh, understandably all yeah. of these things but there's something really special about about the cinematic experience and i think that that's revived a bit with all of the stuff going on around around barbie and oppenheimer um so that was cool to experience yeah yeah definitely it was cool to yeah feel like you're a part of a larger thing yeah. that was happening a big um, cultural event yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm somebody like still really enjoys going to the movies uh i think we're in kind of a weird situation where we're at where there's a nice movie theater that's like 20, 30 minutes away. And then mm. there's like a fine movie theater that's like five minutes away. So it's always like a question of, <laughs> well, are we going to go to the close one? Or are we going to like do it up? Are really we going to make a thing ourselves. of this? Yeah, really yeah. treat ourselves. Um, and more and more, we've been going to the smaller theater because it's just more affordable. I mean, literally half the cost. It's a small, like privately owned local theater. And the screen is fine. Like, it's not as big. Mm. The seats don't lean back or rumble or anything like that. But it's a perfectly, like, good experience to see a movie in. Um, and, yeah, when it's just, like, literally half the cost, it just makes it so much easier and yeah. convenient to actually go to the movies. But I do miss uh, when we lived further closer to Boston, we used to go to the Dolby Theater. Mm. And that that's the prime experience. But now that theater is, like, 45 minutes away. And so it's uh. just, like, not. You can't yeah. quite justify making that trip, but oh, Dol the uh, Dolby Theater experience is, is the one that I I love the most. Mm, mm. So if you're near a Dolby Theater, like do yourself a yeah. favor, get <laughs> out there and do of, it. Speaking of seats, I did I did remember like so on this we we flew to, to California and back for this trip and. Mommykins, which is what I call my mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> she happened to have like to a, her face. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> wow. She happened to have uh, a shit ton of points, like travel points, uh, with okay, which uh -huh. she was able to 
graciously cover our flights. Aww. And very kind of her. Um, yeah, that's great. And um, there was this mistake or something where she thought she had booked econo- like normal economy seats. But when we got to the airport and got our boarding passes, they had upgraded us to first class there <gasps> and back. <laughs> I have never in my life flown first class i've never ever ever done that and oh my god it's a different it's a different it like makes flying (laughs) tolerable it radicalized me to be honest like okay first of all you go into these seats and they can go entirely flat without Mm. without going back on the person behind you like you're fully in these pods where you're able to fully go down it's it's also more cushy you've got a a full ass pillow and blanket um (laughs) and you can do that without infringing on the personal space of the person behind you that's number one yeah number two they had these chef curated menus like by celebrity chefs each it was different the way it went going there and coming back it was two different menus and they were literally like you can order whatever you want from the menu at no charge it's like included in the fare and so on the way there i had this like watermelon salad with sea salt and chili oil and mint oh my and i had these like alcohol-free cocktails that had like fresh cucumber and uh stuff in it (laughs) on the way back i had like a roasted fish with like a wild mushroom medley and like okay i'm just and like holy shit all i'm saying is like i don't know how the fuck they even like these dishes came out plated on like ceramic textured like fine dining uh plates and like silver cutlery and glass like tumblers hell? for the drinks and i'm like first of all where is all of this stored how yeah. are you producing this in like i assume a <laughs> microwave <laughs> like oh yeah it must be it's gotta be right a mystery yeah like right i'm like it has to be a microwave but it comes out like like fresh and and it doesn't taste microwave so okay that was that was just mind-blowing to me yeah and the fact that it was bottomless like they were they they were doting like the flight attendants were doting on us and i was just like there's something it kind of reminds me of that thing where like when you don't have money it ends up being more expensive than Mm. someone Mm -hmm. who's rich like for example the the example of buying shoes when you don't have money you have to buy cheap shoes that break down faster and over Mm -hmm. time you end up spending way more than someone who has money and is able to buy a really high quality uh expensive pair of shoes up front but it lasts like 20 years so it's Mm -hmm. like they don't have to replace it nearly as often um Mm -hmm. and so it just kind of reminded me of that it's like for the price of being in first class you don't have to pay extra for Wi-Fi. You don't have to pay for every drink or every meal. You're getting meals that would be like fifty plus dollars per person, like on the ground. You're getting amenities that you have. Like, if I wanted a pillow and blanket in economy, I need to pay for that. If I wanted headphones, I might have to. I might have to pay for that. If I wanted, you know, extra room, I have to pay for the upgrade. And mm-hmm. it's just like 
the inequality in such a small space and the stark, stark, stark difference in treatment. Like, I feel like when you're in economy, you're lucky if the flight attendant even looks at you and you have to flag them down and they're annoyed when they come talk to you. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck yeah. do you <laughs> <What>? <laughs> You're taking time away from the first class passengers that yeah. are supposed to be helping. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I was like, this is fucked up that this... Yeah is a thing and also like this is i have never i've never not wanted a flight to end but i was kind of like i could chill here <laughs> yeah i well, could the, chill uh, here yeah that was my biggest so we flew first class and we went for our honeymoon to iceland uh, awesome um which isn't it really isn't that long of a flight from mm. massachusetts um from boston uh and yeah even then it was it was like oh my god like this actually makes flying tolerable tolerable yes like i hate flying so fucking much you're crammed in this little it's just uncomfortable mm -hmm. and the thing is like i could sit in my recliner for four to six hours straight mm -hmm. and not get up and be fine but yeah. there's something about being in a plane that like as soon as it's like you can't get up and move around yeah. that's all that i want to do um and i can't sleep on planes like I yeah just, on the flight to iceland none of that was an issue like we flew overnight and like I slept like a baby <laughs> in the seat and everything was fine. And it was so comfy and it is like you're in a recliner and it's really nice. And it's just like, yeah, why are we restricting this experience from the vast majority of people on the plane? Yeah. And it's like, you know, for anything that's more than a few, like a couple hour flight, two to three hour mm -hmm. flight, I just feel like it should be a default. Yeah. Yeah, the food yeah. especially was getting to me. I was like, the fact that when you're in economy and the food options you get are like in a TV, TV dinner tray, obviously microwave, mm -hmm. tastes like shit, super processed. And out front, they have like fresh fruit and yeah. uh, fresh herbs and like meat that is real. And yeah, I don't know, like, like clearly you have the ability to provide yes, this. Yes. So you're literally just restricting it from... The people who aren't willing, aren't able to pay more. Bruh. Yeah. I had yeah. a cappuccino and it had like milk and foam. The fuck? I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Where did it come from? They've got, they got someone like literally someone's back there with a magic wand yeah. whipping this stuff up. <laughs> so oh, that was an experience and it's very tragic that within a couple of days I'm going on a business trip where I'm very much going to be an economy. And Ugh. with this happening so soon, oh. I'm like, Oh, it's going to be so bad. <laughs> I've tasted, I've tasted yeah. luxury. I can't go back. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I'm so sorry. <sighs> anyway, let's buckle into another kind of journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's uh, dig into some video game talk, which I imagine is what people are here for to listen to. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the game Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. Um, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals is a supernatural mystery horror adventure game developed by Night School Studio and published by Netflix Games. It's available on Android, iOS, uh, free, actually, if you have a Netflix subscription. So... Shout out there. I feel like not a lot of folks know about this, but Netflix does games now. If you have the Netflix app uh, on your phone and, and you're logged into Netflix, you can get free games through through Netflix. So take advantage of that if you like to play games on your phone. Mm -hmm. um, but it also came out for the Nintendo Switch, uh, the PS4, the PS5, and on Windows. Um, Oxenfree 2 is the follow-up to 2016's Oxenfree. 
which was a similarly styled supernatural thriller about a group of friends who unwittingly open a ghostly rift. Um, and so while the two games focus on different sets of characters, uh, in our conversation today, we are still going to need to spoil some aspects of the first Oxenfree game in order to discuss like just the basic premise of Oxenfree 2. So this is your, your spoiler warning now. Um, if you are still planning to get back to 2016's Oxenfree and you don't want to be <laughs> spoiled on anything about it, um, stop listening now because there will definitely be spoilers uh, discussed for the first Oxenfree game. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's on your backlog and you swear you're going to play it, then maybe don't want to listen any further. Okay. Warning concluded. <laughs> there will now be spoilers for Oxenfree 1. Um so both games take place on the coast of northern Oregon, uh, set on the fictional Edwards Island and its neighboring coastal town called Kamina. And in both games, your main characters are set upon by otherworldly interactions that take the form of these triangular sky portals, red-eyed ghostly figures, and fuzzy cryptic radio broadcasts, which all trace back to the submarine crew of the USS Canaloa. Uh, you start to unravel this mystery in both games um, where this uh, the submarine crew for the Canaloa, they were thought lost at sea in friendly waters during World War II, but it turns out they were actually sunk by friendly fire um, and the crew was transported into another dimension due to an experimental nuclear reactor that was on board the submarine. Um, so the crew of the Canaloa is understandably pissed at their situation and actively trying to return to their old dimension via radio waves and good old fashioned possession tactics. <laughs> so in both games, uh, as the main character, your main goal is to avoid the possession of yourself, your friends and your family and to close the portals through which the Canola crew members are reaching out. Um so that's kind of the premise for, for both games. And then both games focus on a different set of characters who are put in a situation where they're interacting with, uh, with these ghosties. Um, the Oxenfree games, both games, uh, also like Night School's other game, After Party, uh, use a style of gameplay. It's, it's kind of a 2D, 2.5D uh, art style where you're moving across the screen, um, mostly back and forth like horizontally but again mm -hmm. you get that extra half a dimension so sometimes you're kind of moving up or into a space uh you're usually you're controlling one specific character in the game and making dialogue decisions for that character that uh branch out the narrative they are adventure games so there's there's things that you can interact with in the world but for the most part the gameplay is centered around navigating the two and a half dimensional space and making dialogue decisions um and I think one of the standout of Night School's games or like what really sets them apart from other adventure games of this style is their really well-written and well-crafted dialogue and how realistic it feels when characters are mm -hmm. speaking back and forth. I think they're one of the developers that's really um, stood out in this genre as, as folks who are, uh, they, you know, they've popularized the way the dialogue decisions even appear in the sense that you get kind of a very summary, like two to three word uh, presentation of what the character might say that gives you an idea of kind of the color of that response and then you mm. pick one of those two or three responses and and then get an actual piece of dialogue that's longer than what just appeared on the screen and that was something that I feel like they kind of they were on the forefront of doing dialogue branching games in that style um, but yeah with all that kind of setup of of what these games are what they're about what the main characters are doing uh, I want to start by asking you, Spencer, what your history is with the Oxenfree series as we come into Oxenfree 2. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit late to the party, I think. I know the first Oxenfree game came out in 2016. I don't think I mm -hmm. played it until maybe like 
2018 or 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, may, I don't remember if we may have even talked about it on the podcast in 2020, and that may have been my first time playing it. I'm, I'll have to look Yeah, back. we might have. Well, I know we talked about After Party on the podcast mm-hmm. at one point. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't recall now if we talked about Oxen Free. <laughs> We've been doing this too long already. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm always on, I, I have kind of like a secret love of horror, especially more psychological horror um, that I kind of just enjoy by myself because um, the people I typically watch movies with are just very averse to that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but I I just love the way that horror gets us to explore kind of the darker corners of our psyches or uh, confront fears we may even hold privately in a way that is separate from any actual real danger. I mean, of course, that's probably why anyone likes horror, but um, I was really excited to find, I, I, I sometimes, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I feel like a lot of horror games, uh, horror video games tend to really lean on the jump scares and the kind of like survival horror genre um, typically very full of violence and gore and just very much about the extreme um, titillation and like shock value, um, which isn't really my thing. Um, so I really love that Oxenfree did have a kind of spooky, scary story, but it is so narratively driven and grounded in, in exploring its characters. And it doesn't really have what I would typically, there are, there are moments where there might be a little bit of a jump or a sudden um, flash on the screen, things like that, but it's not trying to outright like horrify you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it really does a great job of building a vibe, building a mood um, that is really enjoyable to spend some time with. Um, I also enjoy that these games are pretty contained. Um, Like I don't think, they take more than like five to eight hours to play through. Um, but yeah, I remembered, I, I think I played the first Oxen Free in a couple of days. Um, I really loved the branching narrative aspect. I mean, it was, it was uh, amazing how, like, I think in games where you're traversing from point to point, um, an NPC might have a couple lines, a little bit of banter here and there, but this game is like constant conversation. And, and even if you're doing something as mundane as traveling from one point to another, it keeps you so engaged because the characters are just constantly talking and you're constantly learning bits about yourself and each other and the world around you in a way that is really impressively engrossing. Um, so yeah, loved Oxenfree, was super excited to play Oxenfree 2. Um, what was your history with Oxenfree? Uh, yeah, I played uh, the first Oxenfree, I think not too long after it came out. I remember there being, it got reviewed super positively. It was nominated for a handful of awards. And so I think, I don't think I played it right away, but, you know, within a year of it coming out, I played it. I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was, you know, people were talking about it. It was very loved. And so I checked it out and played it. I remember at the time really enjoying the game um, and finding it to 
just be a really cool experience. I love the way the characters interacted with each other. I love the characters. Uh, the first Oxen Free is about a, a group of teenagers who are all friends who go out to Edwards Island um, for like this party in the evening. And, and the way it very quickly establishes the relationship between each of the characters mm. and, and how interesting those relationships are. Like uh, you play as the main character, Alex, and then, um, you know, her, 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 like her best friend, Ren is one of the other characters, but also, they're going to hang out with her new, her like brand new stepbrother Jonas, who she's still getting to know. And the and the way the game sets up the dynamic between those three characters, mm. the tension of an old friend and this new person who's like a friend slash family slash what do you two mean to each other? You're still figuring that out. Um, and just the way the narrative uh, was unveiled and like how you learn more about Alex. Yeah, I really love that game. Um, and was very excited for Oxen Free too. I actually made the choice to replay the first Oxen Free uh, before starting Oxen Free Two because it had been so long since I played the game. I really didn't remember a lot about the narrative, and I'm really glad I replayed it actually because I could not have, I did not remember any of that stuff about <laughs> the the USS Canola or like how or Canaloa or how mm-hmm. that was all wrapped in um, with the narrative. So I was glad that I chose to replay the first game, um, even though I don't know. Replaying the first game uh, and then jumping into Oxen Free 2 really made some of the, I think, somewhat negative comparisons between the two games stand out to me. Mm. Um, I think if we shift a little bit now to start talking about Oxen Free 2, yeah. um, kind of my high level thoughts, I think overall, I really enjoyed the game, but I, I definitely don't think that it stands on the same level as the first Oxen Free. Mm. Um, and we can get into later, like more of some of my reasoning behind that. But I think, yeah. um, I think in terms of gameplay and art and stuff, like Night School is definitely leveled up. Um, one of the issues that Night Schools had with their games in the past is being kind of buggy and and technically mm. like unsound on release and having like crashes and stuff like that. And Oxenfree Two ran super well for me on PS Five. I did not have bugs or issues by and large so that was good i was grateful for that they introduce um some new mechanics in the game like in both games you have a radio that you walk Mm -hmm. around with and can tune and use but in oxen free 2 they introduce that you also have a walkie-talkie and that gives you the opportunity to have so you have things like side quests um that don't really exist in in oxen free 1 so in that regard, like I do think the game was a step up, but just narratively and in terms of the cohesiveness of the narrative and the tightness of it and what the themes are, yeah. um, Oxen Free 1 just resonates with me a lot more than Oxen Free 2. And I think we can dig into that more soon. But mm-hmm. yeah, what what did you think of Oxen Free 2? Yeah, a lot of that resonates. Um I will say I played it on Nintendo Switch and oh, there were bugs and crashes yeah. galore. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah, cuz the, the game Switch, the poor aging yeah. Switch. Oh, I yeah, feel it's like it's just along. It's just can barely barely do it anymore. It's last but, gasping yeah. breaths, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's uh, it's doing its best. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean it was kind of funny cuz the game involves a lot of time loops and kind of like repeating sequences and the bugs were really contributing to that narrative tone. Um I would often find myself uh the ghost like, in the machine. <laughs> yeah, the ghost in the machine. Yeah. So it's all part it's not a bug, it's a feature, right? Like yeah. it's all part of the <laughs> experience. Switch was just trying to provide you with a more immersive overall experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you really want that, go for the Switch version. Um, That's amazing. No, but I think going in, I 
I think overall, I was expecting them to do more, like to build upon what was established in, in the first Oxen Free and kind of take the gameplay to a new level. I was sort of um, not unpleasantly surprised because it, it, like it's been enough years that I could see this. And, I, and knowing that too, it was also, it's now, the studio is now part of Netflix um, and they probably want to get new audiences, reach new people. Um, I can understand why they made the choice they did, but I, it was a lot of the same of, of the mechanics that I'd expect from the first game. And, um, it just felt to me, it's been a couple of years since I've played the first one and it just felt like a continuation of what I had been playing before, um, mm -hmm. which left me a little disappointed. Um, that being said, I didn't learn until today, actually, when I was just doing some, um, I was just reminding myself of like the background of the game. And I didn't know until today that it was also released um, on the Netflix app to play on your phone. Or I think you can potentially play it on desktop as well if you're logged into Netflix or maybe it's mm. just on the app on the, on, on mobile. But with that in mind, I think it makes a lot of things make sense. One being if you're trying to cater to, you know, that kind of um, streaming audience, it would make sense that you'd want your controls and mechanics to be very simple and accessible. Um, mm -hmm. If you're trying to roll this out on an app where people are typically used to watching shows and movies. And secondly, like I felt like my main takeaway from this game was that it was incredibly cinematic. It was like I had just sat down and watched a mini series or watched a movie. Um, and so it makes sense to me that, for a Netflix first kind of rollout as this is like their first, this is night school's first game as part of Netflix. And it was mm -hmm. like produced within Netflix. Like it, it, it sort of clicked a lot more for like, Oh, like that's why it feels this way. It's, it's not taking any crazy risks or doing anything experimental um, because it does feel like, a like, like I just watched something like, like much of the game is just listening to, to conversation and triggering events and then reacting to those events. Um, and so I think overall, I definitely enjoyed the experience, um, but I'm definitely eager to hear a bit more about kind of where, especially the comparison points from having played it. So playing the first game so recently, um, mm -hmm. cause I think I probably feel a lot of the same way. In fact, I, it, it was so similar that for the first hour or so I was confused thinking that, it was the same characters from the first game. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, what? What? As, was there a time skip? Like, does she not remember everything she went through in the first game? And I realized, like, <laughs> oh, Riley is different from Alex. But I felt like mm -hmm. the characters were even very similar. The design was pretty similar of the characters. Like, like uh, the, yeah. the, the dynamic with the companion is like very similar to the first game. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like a lot more of the same, but you know, still a, still a fun romp and hopefully continuing to reach more people with this genre of game, which of course I'm, I'm happy to see. So I don't regret playing it. It just didn't go as far as I had thought it would. And I have very similar opinions about the Barbie movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this is our dissertation on why Oxenfree 2 and the Barbie movie are actually very similar. Yeah. <laughs> drawing, drawing themes and parallels. Uh, no, yeah. So, so let's, let's start getting into it. Um, let's talk a bit about what the, what the story is in Oxenfree 2 and some of the themes that are explored. And, and then I think that's going to open up, um, yeah, more about what, what we thought about it. So the story in Oxenfree 2, like the main premise is that you, you play as Riley. Um, she's, I was having trouble, like, figuring out exactly her age. I think, mm. like, maybe mid-30s, maybe mm-hmm. a bit older than that. There's other yeah. characters in the game. There's, like, some teenagers that you run into that keep saying that you're, like, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Riley is actually 50. Also because she's, like, scaling mountains and jumping yeah. across crevices and, like, yeah. generally being, like, very... Not that you can't do that when you're 50, but... She, they run. <laughs> you run all over this fucking island and uh, totally. and and Kamina in the game in a way that yeah it would require being very athletic and healthy, um and fit. So anyway, you play as Riley. Let's say she's in her thirties, maybe maybe broaching forty at the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have been hired to uh, come to Kamina and set up these transmitters, um by a vaguely defined science group. Research uh, Research group, right? Yeah. Research facilities hired you to come place these transmitters around Kamina um, under the guise of they're trying to study some strange radio frequencies that are being picked up in the area. Um, if you've played Oxenfree 1, then you know that those strange radio frequencies are tied to the whole mystery going on with the USS Kanaloa and uh, the, the... Yeah, and are coming off of Edwards Island, which is kind of just across the bay from mm-hmm. Kamina. Um, you have been assigned a partner to work with whose name is Jacob. Uh, both you, both Riley and Jacob are from Kamina originally. Uh, Riley has recently moved back to take care of her father who is getting older and sicker. Um, her and her dad have a really strained relationship, but she, she's moved back to help take care of him and Jacob, uh, never left the area. So they went to high school together. They were not friends in high school. They were just acquaintances um, but they do remember each other and, and Jacob calls us out like pretty early after you connect with him. So you do have some history with each other, but not really like you were good friends or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jacob is local handyman, kind of, you know, does a little bit of everything, odd jobs and stuff for people in the town, um, kind of knows everybody in town, has lived there his whole life, inherited a cabin and some money from his parents who passed away when he was in his 20s, um, and doesn't really have a lot going on. It's established mm-hmm. pretty early in the game that he kind of has some um, regret tied up in the fact that he never left Kamina. And then mm-hmm. he has kind of this small life where it's just him and his dog and, and he makes he makes art out of scrap metal and found objects, but doesn't really have an outlet for that, isn't really sharing it with anybody and is kind of, um, I don't know, he's a little little neurotic, a li- very yeah. chatty, um, kind of talks to fill space and fill awkward silences. Riley, on the other hand, immediately presents as like a little more standoffish. Um, she's kind of sharp, quick-witted, sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Um, a little rough around the edges and, and it's kind of shown that she's maybe not very happy with the direction her life has gone in either, uh, pretty early on. And you unpack that more as the game goes on. Um, but she's, she's back and she's trying to make a, make a change for the better. And she's taken this job to have a little financial security upon returning to the area. Mm-hmm. So that's the premise. Um, when they go to set up the first transmitter, 
uh, a beam of light shoots out of it and hits a triangular portal that's appeared over Edwards Island. And suddenly you're enwrapped in the mystery of what's going on with this portal over Edwards Island. There's some teenagers who have opened the portal and who are trying to uh, help the USS Canaloa ghost. And, and I'm just, it, this is very mild spoilers, I think, for mm-hmm. Oxenfree 2, but big spoilers for Oxenfree 1, because so much of Oxenfree 1 is figuring out this mystery of the USS right. Canaloa crewman. And then pretty quickly in 2, it's like, okay, it's them. This is what's going <laughs> yeah. on. Like, Jacob basically lays it all out. And yeah, yeah. So, so you know pretty early in the game, this is what's going on. Yeah. So then it's all a all a trip to try to figure out why these teenagers are doing what they're doing, figure out how you can potentially stop the opening of these portals and stop the possession of of these kids in the town of Kamina. Yada yada. And make that's, friends that's, that's along the, the way. Make friends along the way, exactly. Um <laughs> in terms of themes, uh I think the story deals a lot with this idea of like what what it means to have a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Um and what 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 does a life with purpose look like? What does that mean to you? And also, like, surprisingly, like, really strong themes of parenting and yeah. what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a child and have a parent, um, and and how uh, parental, how parents impact their kids, and then how that, like, kind of goes down through the history of time. Like, what mm. your parent does to you, you will do to your kid, and kind of that lineage of, of passing along trauma, but also things mm-hmm. like the way you make your eggs and the way mm-hmm. you think about yeah. dealing with your anger. Um, the, one of the key things that happens as you start to have strange encounters with the ghosts is that you're sent back in time to different memories or sent forward in time to future things that will happen. And and I think those are some of the most interesting parts of the game. You get these scenes where Riley is interacting with her dad from a memory that she has as a kid or interacting with her own kid in the future. Um, so you get, I don't know, the game opens up really interesting moments for dialogue and Mm -hmm. reflection between characters i've just said a lot that's a breakdown of kind of the story and the themes what were were there any other themes that you were getting out of the game no i mean i think you nailed it i like a lot of those themes that you were picking up on um i was feeling as well i think um it did really start for me touching on a lot of big questions around like does it matter if like like especially when you feel like your life has turned out a certain way um and you feel like you already know what's what your life is going to look like into the future like what does it matter how we act now or um what does it matter what choices we make like it brings up some questions around like free will and kind of like you know the intentions like we all know that life ends in death and in pain and so like what meaning if any does that bring to our actions in the present and is it still worth fighting for if we don't have a hopeful outlook of what's going to happen in the future um so i and i i felt like it was starting to really go deep on those things and again i think this brings me back to like my critiques of the game which is just like I wanted more. Like, I felt like it was just giving me enough to start forming a high level understanding of who these characters were. And I just wanted to go deeper on that. Like, it felt like a lot of the character, uh, like the intimacy with understanding who those, who these characters are and why they make the decisions they do is largely left up to the player to sort of assume or create on their own. 
and maybe it's because the plot gets big and and it wants to be able to cleanly wrap everything up but i feel like almost what's happening with the ghosts and this this whole like narrative of the island and and the uh culmination of the fate of of this crew of the Kanaloa and the portals and how to stop them and whatever like that ends up taking over and the really interesting tidbits of these characters that we've been learning through conversation uh in in the transport from one area to another and the progression of the plot like like it almost feels like the progression of the plot is secondary to just having more time for the characters to talk Mm-hmm. And so by the end, I care more about like, okay, yeah, the ghosts and stuff, but what's going on with these characters? And, but the, but the, where the game wants to go is like to the conclusion of, of, of this big mystical plot. And so like, I just kind of felt like I was left wanting. Um, I wanted mm-hmm. to explore these themes more. I think it gave it just, it gave us just enough for us to pick up on these themes, but not enough to see through to what the ultimate message was. Um, I know this is a game that's sort of made to be played multiple times because of all the branching narrative. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a matter of like for me to get that, I need to play more and, and choose different answers. Um, but even with that, it's tough because that, that would mean forcing myself to take actions that I wouldn't agree with or that I that don't feel true to myself. And so mm-hmm. I just feel like it I wasn't feeling fully rewarded for the investment of sharing my truth as this character and then seeing how those choices concluded. Um I don't know if that was that was kind of a woo-woo answer, but No, no. I think <laughs> I I resonate with a lot of what you're saying. I think that it's fair to critique the game if it if you didn't feel it was getting its themes across with one playthrough because I do think yes this game is designed to be replayed as was Oxenfree one um, and to it's even kind of built into the narrative this idea of time looping and history repeating itself so the idea that you would replay the game feels very natural. However, I think, you know, if you if you're not getting the themes clearly in the first playthrough, then I I still think that's a flaw of the game, right? I don't think it should be mm. like, well, after the third or fourth playthrough, it really starts to sink in. <laughs> it like I think clicking, that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it starts clicking. I think that's a problem because I mean, I remember the first time I played Oxen Free, the first one, it was one and done. And I still felt very connected to those characters and the themes of the game. And I think um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into like playing editor and be like, oh, I would have done this or mm-hmm. I would have done that. But I do think there's there's something about revisiting this same exact situation with the USS Canaloa crew and then having to bring in so much exposition to cover that ground again because you know that half of the player base is going to have played one and doesn't need to solve the mystery mm. again. and the But the other half needs to be brought up to speed on what the mystery is so that you can move forward with more mm. of the story. I think kind of puts them in a weird situation, like wanting to serve both of those audiences. So you get a lot of exposition explaining what's going on with the ghosts and the mystery of it, which I didn't need as someone who already understood what was going on. And it kind of it makes that that plot like you're talking about the plot becomes almost too present 
mm-hmm. in where I think Oxenfree won because so much of what was happening with the ghost was just mysterious and weird. You could get way more invested in the interpersonal stuff going on with the characters. And there yeah. was like, it, it was almost like the plot was happening in the background until you mm. get towards kind of the end climactic moment. And here I think the plot and your driving force of placing these transmitters and doing this job have to be way more in the forefront in a yeah. way that they didn't have to be in the first game. And I, I think it kind of hurts. Uh, I, I, another another thing, though, that I think uh, makes it more challenging for them to build up to the themes is the fact that the the characters don't have a pre-established relationship I think that's one of the strongest things that Night School does in both mm. Oxenfree and their follow-up game, that uh, After Party. Yeah. Is that you are coming into playing a character who is interacting with another character, characters who have deep existing relationships. Yeah. And part of the enjoyment is learning the nuances of those relationships. Riley and Jacob, for the most part, don't know each other. And they don't have a deep history with each other. And I think that it just makes it feel more surface level mm, um, mm-hmm. and makes everything feel like Riley is a bit disconnected from Jacob and from the other characters in the story. And like in that same vein, I feel a little disconnected mm-hmm. from Jacob and the other characters in the story. And I care just a little bit less yeah. what happens to them. Right. Like so many of Riley's, yeah, like so many of Riley's um, responses, I feel like to Jacob's prompts are like her grappling with like how much to share. Mm -hmm. And as the player, I'm like, I know nothing about you. So rather than just like the dialogue choices being like, oh, divert or say nothing or be like, I'm fine versus giving a little bit. It's like, I want even more than that. I want my choices to be between like, which version of events do I share or like how Mm. vulnerable am I in this moment? And it feels like instead it's still so even what she does share is, is not deep enough for me to really gain a deeper understanding of who she is. Like I get through throughout that she's reserved and she has like, trauma and a history she'd rather not delve into because this is someone she doesn't know. And I absolutely feel like what that results in is just like such small snippets of, of understanding that even I, as the player still feel pretty distant from knowing her, um, which is just tough with a game that is so driven by constant dialogue. It just felt like, I was getting such little, little out of her. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, I, I feel like I knew I, I came out of it understanding Jacob more than the main character yeah. that I was playing. Yeah, partially because he just doesn't shut up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really, he's very chatty too, and is like a certain type of person that um, you can, you can really decide as Riley if you're going to be friendly with Jacob mm. or if you're going to be like pretty cold and like the game will let you be so I've I've played through two uh three full times and seen okay. there's 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 basically three main endings that you can pick be- between um so I've seen all all three of those main endings and um yeah you you can play through the game and be very very mean and abrasive to Jacob mm-hmm. and just completely shut him down. Uh, the game also, and I think this is a cool design choice. Um, again, like the way night school does dialogue, I still think is, I still think that's really on display here and the way they let you make your dialogue decisions. I th- still think is really cool. 
Um, one thing that you can do is you can just choose not to respond. And mm. if someone's talking to you, for example, Jacob, the way he's just constantly chatting as you're walking around the island, like you have the choice to, you'll get your dialogue prompts that will appear. And if you just don't choose anything, they will fade away. <laughs> and he'll kind of be like, okay, I guess I'm just prattling or, or, or he'll, <laughs> he'll turn, he'll change the subject mm-hmm. to something else that he wants to talk about. Um, but you can, you know, choosing not to engage is totally a valid option in almost any conversation scenario. There's very few times where you have to have a response almost always you can just say nothing you can play through the game being completely silent yeah. and not reacting to things that are going on around you and that that would have an impact on the way characters perceive you i think that's pretty cool from a yeah. from a design perspective and yeah i do i do appreciate what they do there but yeah for me i think some of the best stuff in this game come down to specific scenes and moments most of mm. which i think occur between riley and her her dad or Riley and her future kid. And there's a few moments with Jacob that feel really powerful and poignant, but yeah, like the overall story and where that goes and how that ends up with did leave me a little bit colder in this game than it did in oxen free one. And, and I, I feel like some of that just comes down to the distance that this game holds you at from the characters. And you, you don't feel the same level of connection that you did in the first game where all the people that you're interacting with are have like a close and and real relationship to the main character that that makes the stakes feel higher like i just yeah. at the end of the day like i didn't care as much about the stakes that they set up because what the impact was going to be on the people that i cared about was like i it i don't know it wasn't like i didn't care enough about the characters to care mm-hmm. enough about the stakes mm-hmm. if that makes sense mhm yeah so yeah, I was, was kind of, I was definitely a little disappointed in that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what were what was some of the key moments and stuff in the game that that jumped out to you? Was there stuff that that you liked or that does, did resonate? Yeah, I mean, and again, like I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about where I wanted more. Um, mm-hmm. but overall, I mean, I really did enjoy the game that I played. Um, I think it was at its strongest when it really leaned into the sort of <laughs> ghostly interactions. Like I've, I always enjoyed the, so there's this concept of the radio um, because the ghosts are kind of communicating on this airwave frequency, which is just a kind of a cool concept. Um, and so you have this radio and you're frantically trying to tune um, in to a frequency where you can influence the ghosts and connect with them. And that, that like mechanic of like like this little dial comes up and you see um like a pin pointing to a specific station and you're just scanning back and forth through the through the stations um trying to find that moment and your controller starts vibrating and the buzz starts building and things are happening on the screen until it gets to a point where that perfect point has been reached and a connection is made and it's just like a very dynamic and cool um mechanic um that's very like it's always exciting when you have a moment where you're like oh i can whip out my radio like it it's it just is a very satisfying um like point of feedback um and so the points where like you really start 
like you enter these areas in the game where um i guess the veil between the real world and other dimensions or other timelines or the space where the ghosts exist um are thinner and things start happening um loops start appearing you might start ripping open holes between timelines um and using that motif of like static or uh, a channel changing on an old television or like the the visualization of 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 static or or sound waves like the way that they use that for transitions or to um create the mood of a scene is really well done um and uh they also do some stuff where it's like by design like uh like maybe you're moving through timelines so quickly that dialogue options come up but they don't have enough time to pick one or um something or someone appears and you barely have time to register what you're looking at before the scene before like like a channel changing on a radio um the scene switches or repeats um and it just does such an excellent job of building up that kind of vibe i was speaking to earlier um like it feels like there's just deeper mysteries within the game um and you just barely have a second to glimpse them and i just i feel like those are the moments where the game is the most compelling and it, where it succeeds the most is in those um just like moments of of maybe that's delving more into the kind of like horror aspect um where it's like a little spooky a little scary a little mysterious like you don't quite know what's happening um it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, I really think the in both in both Oxen Free games, the the audio design and the yeah. way the the Canaloa crew is presented, the way they talk through the radio, uh, mm. the the way that's depicted on the screen, and and yeah, the way things will like clip around, and you'll get the static, and and as though even the images and the and the game itself is in, is being tuned like a radio is all really well done and very cool just aesthetically in terms of like the it's got like a real really good feel and vibe to it that it, the game can be genuinely creepy sometimes um there's a moment where the cantaloa crew like clips in and they have this like this like creepy voices like saying something about like your soul will be the grist for it will wear <laughs> your skin like sunburnt wallpaper yeah. and it's just like oh <laughs> man and also sometimes the writing just like goes off like yes. that like they the writers like there's there's moments in the game where a piece of dialogue um will just really hit deeply mm-hmm. um i wrote down so many quotes from the game that uh are j- just like great writing mm-hmm. um but yeah unfortunately it doesn't i don't know it's just not consistent or as consistent as i felt like it was in the first game mm-hmm. and, and one thing i don't want to keep comparing oxen free 2 to oxen free 1 but one thing that really jumped out to me playing them back to back that was a um like a i don't know if you would consider it it was a technical change that they made that i'm sure happened because now they're they're developing primarily for netflix but in oxen free one radio sounds would come through the controller Mm. when that came out on ps4 if you're playing on ps4 you could turn on a setting to have the radio the the noise of the radio come through the controller and that was such a small but like deeply immersive way to engage with the game. Uh, it just increases the way that it sounds. I mean, it sounds different. It's not coming through your TV speakers. It sounds like a radio playing and it, just it being closer to you and in your hands and coming from there. 
um, just made it feel more like you were holding the radio and hearing something through the radio. Unfortunately, Oxenfree 2 does not have the ability to mm. send dialogue through the controller. And mm. I have to imagine that's because the PS5 can still do that. There's still a speaker on the controller on the DualSense, but I imagine that's because they designed the game with, you know, the mobile first, Netflix mm. first experience mm-hmm. in mind and just didn't probably didn't have time to right. include uh, a setting like that. And it's unfortunate because I think it would have been really cool if, if both the radio and, and now the walkie talkie yeah. uh, could have been playing that sound through the controller speaker. It's like a small thing, but it, it really yeah. enhances the experience and makes you feel more immersed in, in what you're doing. Totally. Um, speaking of the radio though, like what did you think of that? Did you engage much with the side quests um, that you can kind of encounter yeah. through the other people on the walkie talkie? I will say uh, just back to what you said about the radio. I think, my favorite aspect of the game is how like, cause they're ghosts, I'm presuming they can't just talk like through the radio. And so what they'll do is like, like similarly to um, like a ransom note where someone cuts out letters from a bunch mm. of different magazines and puts them into a letter that you can read. It does that with audio where the ghosts will take snippets and single words from like radio commercials or talk show hosts or songs or what have you and then construct this disjointed sentence and it's just the coolest thing ever like it's so immersive and i'm just like how did they do this like i i'm curious like did they did they record that way and just have various people talking through lines and then just edited the audio for each and knit it together or did they actually like find or record Mm. like commercials or take snippets from tv shows or whatever and then piece them together that i'm just so curious about that process because it really is effective and i just keep wanting to have scenes where the ghosts are communicating because it's just such a cool way of of hearing audio and so creepy in like the best way um yeah absolutely it's like Um, how bumblebee talks in the transformer movies except except creepy and (laughs) cool yeah yeah yeah. um but no i i definitely was i was really into the the walkie-talkie the kind of relationships you could build and side quests you could undertake um through communicating with people who were on other channels of your walkie-talkie i thought that was really great if anything i wanted more opportunities for that Mm. um but I know, of course, then you'd be spending your whole time just standing in one place, tuning into different channels. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was really impressed. I think this is a testament, again, to the quality of the writing. Because um, a lot of these, I mean, yeah, these other than Jacob, these characters that you connect with over the walkie-talkie, you never see. Um, it's yep. kind of like Firewatch vibes, if anyone's ever yeah. played that game, where you're forming an entire relationship with someone just over a walkie-talkie and and over the course of that game, you never actually meet face to face. But in this one, um, again, I, I, the fact that I started really worrying about the people I was talking to, um, checking in on them throughout Mm -hmm. and, and kind of like waiting for the plot to progress a bit so that I could tune back into my walkie talkie and see how they were doing. Um, especially as things started getting freakier and freakier, just like wondering if they were okay hoping that they were safe, um, wanting to influence them uh, and support them, even though we didn't know anything about each other. Um, I, I did think that that was done really successfully. And yeah, just a testament to the writing that like you were able to build these 
relationships, even though these characters had like no real impact on what you were doing. Um, and it was just purely like there for your own, at your own interest. If you took the time, um, to just, to just reach out, um, I don't know. It reminded me of just like, I don't know, like just what's great about being a person is like, there's no, even if there's no payoff, there's no reward, there's no um, real influence on how your journey was going, but just reaching out to someone because you can and, and re lending out a hand or being a listening ear for no other reason than just to connect with another person. Um, it was just kind of a nice reminder of that um, and rewarding in its own way, which I was just nice. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was, uh, I think it was really important because this is all happening overnight in a small town. That's, like dead businesses mm. are closed lights are off like everything's shut down it's actually like a plot point that everything is shut down and you have to keep kind of figuring out ways to work around the fact mm. that the entire town is closed and and everybody's at home in bed asleep um by giving you the walkie-talkie and, and letting you interact with the handful of characters that are like still awake in the space it makes it makes the town feel more alive and real because otherwise it's I mean, it's just you and Jacob running around like without that walkie talkie, without feeling like you're connected to other people who are experiencing the weird phenomena that's happening. It could seem super empty and I think mm. would make some of the final stakes stuff feel even less like mm. I cared about the people that I was talking to over the walkie in some cases more than some of the other yeah. characters the game wants you to care about. And so like that keeps you connected to feeling like this is a town, but because I, I think it is cool that you don't ever meet the people that you talk to on the walkie. However, I do still think the emptiness of the game overall is a little bit of a, I don't know. It's mm. not a, maybe problems, not the right word, but I think it's another thing that makes kind of those stakes and the way the game plays out, like just hit a little less hard. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the walkie is kind of the one way that they flesh out the town a little bit and the area and, and give you um, the ability to interact with other people who are impacted by what's happening. Um, yeah. And, and I was grateful for that and, and thought that those were like, those conversations aren't the ones that I was by and large, like writing down dialogue from, but mm -hmm. narratively those interactions were sometimes more interesting than the main plot of the game. <laughs> like yeah. more compelling. Yeah. 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 No, I really liked just sort of, there was something, I don't know if, like the theme of kind of isolation. And mm. like I, I do feel like there was like the town is empty and you've come to learn that Riley's life is also pretty empty. And in some ways, Jacob's life has been kind of empty. Yeah. And there's like a fisherman that is one of the people you can connect with over the walkie talkie um, who keeps going out on the water despite the danger, increasing danger. And he's he's kind of like older and doesn't have you don't get the sense that he has many people who check in on him or care about how he's doing. And he is pulled into this because maybe he's looking for something more or another world that he could cross into or, and you just are like surrounded by people who are isolated in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. And 
yeah, just sort of, and it's not like this guy ever comes out and is like, yeah, I'm lonely and my, yeah. I'm depressed. And I, I maybe deep down, I've even contemplated suicide. Like, it's not like he ever says that. No, no. But just through talking to him, you start kind of real, like maybe something he says resonates with something that you felt, or maybe the kind of things he's saying just touch on, you know, feelings of isolation that we've all felt at certain times. and you just feel like you know these, like, again, just back to the mastery of the writing. It's like, you feel like you know all of these people, even if you don't know them or are barely given enough to like know them deeper through the game, but you still know them because these are things that we've all maybe felt at one point or another. Um, so I guess that's another theme that maybe I didn't mention yeah. earlier is just isolation and how that affects how we form relationships and how the simple act of connecting can really turn that feeling around. Just being reminded that we're not alone is so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. I think it does sort of brush against that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And it's actually kind of yeah revelatory for me right now. Cause that was not a theme that I'd picked up on in my original thinking about the game, but yeah, I think you're totally right. That, that through line applies to a lot of the characters in the game. Um, that they're struggling with uh, not having real connection to other people in their life and where that does or doesn't give give purpose or takes purpose away or meaning mm. away from uh, from how they're choosing to exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just speaking within an American context, of course, I think it's been said before that we're in a epidemic of loneliness right now. I think that's mm, been exacerbated mm -hmm. by the pandemic, but also just the result of increasingly extreme political opinions, um, kind of further and further dividing people or making them feel like uh, things are very binary um, and just general like increase in like mistrust in each other. Um, mistrust in our neighbors and our communities, um, rampant capitalism, making everyone feel like we're in a scarcity mindset and that there's some kind of morality attached to having and not having and social status and economic status and things like that, just making everything so terrible. Um, but I think there's something really powerful in the reminder that like, just connecting to someone that you're not getting anything from, that you're not seeing, just hearing someone's voice and being heard, that having such a profound effect on how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your life, how you feel about what you're capable of or what you can accomplish with your own small contribution. Um, even if that's just being there and listening to someone else speak and having someone listen when you speak, just being reminded of how powerful basic connection can be, I think is really powerful to have. Um, and a game that, um, you know, during the time in which it's been made um, by this studio. Uh, I don't know. It just makes a lot of sense and I'm, I'm glad it's out there. And now that I'm reflecting more on it, I do think, um, you know, not that I ever disputed it, but this game does have a lot to offer and it, and I did very much enjoy what it was giving me, even if at the end of the day, I wanted it to just give more. Maybe that's just a testament <laughs> to how good it is, is that I just wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that theme you're describing, too, is is really um, 
I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of that is really borne out with the development of Jacob's character and especially mm-hmm. somebody who's played the game through so many different times and seen the different directions, like the different ways he can end up. Um, I do think a lot of this night that he spends with Riley, uh, where he, you know, he is pretty much a loner. He's not, he's got a lot of regrets about his life and the way it went. Just, you know, the fact that you can choose to be in those conversations with him, to be vulnerable with him about the ways your life maybe isn't going the way you want it to be. And just be Mm -hmm. like a supportive presence for him and how appreciative he is of that. If those are the dialogue choices that you make, I think is it's really powerful. And in some ways I, I resonate more with Jacob's story. I think because a, a lot of Riley's story is focused on this idea of, of like I resonate with Riley's story in terms of like how she relates to her parents and some of the the difficulties that are presented there but I don't like so much of her story is about uh what it would mean to become a parent and it's mm. not something that hits for me on the same level like I can appreciate that narrative yeah. <laughs> but like for that to be kind of a like it's a core theme of what she's experiencing in the evening is like a, a fear of what it might mean to become a parent at some, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and how like the imperfections of how she was parented might carry through, but then I don't know, becoming a parent kind of being presented as a way to add meaning to your life. I don't mm. know if I fully unpacked how I feel about all of mm. that, like, or yeah yeah i don't know the legacy of of being a parent and what that like what you leave behind and how that can make your life have purpose mm-hmm. i feel conflicted about because i don't know that that's the like do kids give your life meaning yes i'm sure that they do but i don't know if that's why people should be having kids uh, yeah you know, <laughs> you know what i mean like i just yeah. i still feel some sort of way about all of that totally Totally. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and, I, you know, I think the game does a good job of kind of showing some of that pressure and how someone would work through that. But um, it's not, yeah, it's not something that I'm personally grappling with. So it it just, yeah, didn't, didn't land for me in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, a few more things that I wanted to shout the game out that I feel like it does really well. Um, I love that the game puts, and so did their other the other games from night school, but they, they have no problem putting you in situations where there is no like quote unquote right thing to say. Mm. Um, there's so many scenes that I think it becomes even more apparent on replay, but like none of the dialogue options give you what you might consider to be an optimal like outcome. It's not like if I pick this thing, then it will have this positive effect. And in fact, like the game doesn't even let you do chapter select, which I also have mixed feelings right. about. Yes, yes. You can't go back to a specific chapter and just replay from there or just change one decision and uh, see how things play out. Like, yeah. it all really comes through this lens of like, no, it's the entirety, it's the breadth of how you spent your time and who you've chosen to be that leads up to the ending and the options available to you and, and what the final breakdown of your impact on everyone looks like. And on the one hand, like, that's that's kind of cool that, like, it doesn't just boil down to one thing. Like, Mm. I can't go back and change my dialogue from X to Y, and Mm. suddenly there's a whole different story. Like, it really is the culmination of the way I've behaved and the the pattern that I've established of who I am and what I want to be. On the other hand, 
I just want to fucking see a different ending. Why can't I just go back and like, yeah, and like pick a different ending? So I'm I'm torn in that regard. But I do think it's cool that there are multiple points in the game where there are these really challenging conversations that are being presented, and no matter what you say, like the connection is still a little bit off. Like. Mm-hmm. It just you can't you can't quite make it right. You can't quite smooth a thing over. You can't quite get your point across in a way that's that's clear and smart and eloquent. Um, and it creates these, you know, disconnections and misunderstandings. And I feel like that's very true to real life. And mm. there's a lot of situations where there isn't just a right thing to say. And it just makes the the dialogue feel more realistic and the characters feel more realistic that they capture that i think so expertly in the game um totally i think in a lot of ways oxen free 2 feels more adult than oxen free 1 um which probably doesn't just come down to the themes maybe it just comes down to the character i mean obviously in oxen free 1 you're playing as teenagers and oxen free 2 you're playing as like kind of middle-aged a middle-aged adult um, but even just the themes of like being a parent and meaningful life feel more grown up than mm. in the first game. I think there's a like thematically they're struggling more with. Well, it's still pretty serious. There's like grief and survivor's guilt is kind of like yeah <laughs> the core some of the core themes in the first Oxen Free, but I guess it's just dealt with in a more uh, um, angsty like teenager the lens way. of a younger yeah yeah. Person. Yeah, through the lens of younger characters. And so Oxen Free 2 does feel more grown up. And again, maybe that's what contributes to this like distancing that you feel, or just mm. like this kind of a, a lack of vulnerability, like feeling more, a little more closed off, a little more structured, a little more in control of uh, your emotions as a mm. character and the way the characters interact with each other. So that it doesn't feel like they get quite as, I don't know, close um, yeah. or as earnest um, as they are in the first game. Um, And then the final thing I wanted to shout the game out for is just, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the dialogue. I think it's one of the things that makes it feel so real, makes it feel so grounded, is that they intermix the mundane with, like, more philosophical moments. And a lot of this happens between Riley and Jacob and the conversations they're having. But the way they can move from a conversation chatting about, like, library late fees into talking about uh you know like there's this moment where they're walking across this bridge and jacob's like reminiscing about the fact that oh when this bridge first went up it was like a marvel of modern science and was like so integral to the community and how people got around and now it's just this like old aging bridge that Mm. nobody thinks about and he uses that as a platform to say this line about like how he does he's like i wouldn't want to live forever but i also don't want to die forever mm. and the idea that this bridge is just like it no longer has the life and the purpose that it once had but it's still just here uh. languishing and the characters have this like insightful moment where they're talking about what that even means or the idea that you would just you would just be forever dead i don't know it was an interesting interesting conversation i think the main way that i responded to it is riley was like Telling Jacob that, like, oh, people are going to remember you. Like, if no one else does, I'll mm-hmm. remember you. Um, and then kind of cracking a joke about him being like the troll under the bridge. Um, <laughs> and you guys laugh it off. But the ability of the game to like move between those things and for yeah. it to all, f- it, it just, it does feel that the one strong suit of this game, despite um, 
despite you not feeling like you know Jacob coming in, and I wish there had been more of an established relationship, it does feel like you are building a friendship with this guy and having um, like actually a trophy that you can get. And maybe this is a little bit of a spoiler, but if you are good enough friends with Jacob, <laughs> you can get a trophy in the game called 3 a.m. Food Friends. Uh-huh. Where it triggers this conversation where Jacob asks if, are we friends now? Like, yeah, we become yeah. friends through this uh, after you've spent like the whole night doing all this shit together. And if you tell him like, yeah, we're friends, we're like 3 a.m. food friends, like the kind of friends who would like mm-hmm. get drunk and stay up late and like have food at a diner at 3 a.m. Just like talking about life and shit. Um, and it does. I think the game captures that feeling yeah. of being up all night like you're you're a little too tired maybe you're under the influence but you're like really digging in on some shit with some friends and it can the yeah. conversation can span like really boring silly shit all the way out to like what's the meaning of life and it's, yeah. and I, the game like encapsulates that in a, in a really fun way yeah definitely like i and to that feeling of like when you do meet someone and you're just like you can't stop talking and there's so much you want to keep bringing up and you do that even that nervousness of like naming with someone that you are friends like i do feel like it captures all of that really well um mm-hmm. and yeah i mm-hmm. do think the dialogue flows very naturally yeah i think that yeah i i got that there's no trophies on switch but i i got <laughs> to that conversation as well and i was really happy that it happened um so yeah i'm glad you you brought that up i think that definitely resonates yeah. Um, so what, do, I mean, do you think after playing this, do we need another oxen free game? I don't know if we're going to get one or not. Nothing's been announced. I could see them doing another one if this one's successful, just because mm. the Netflix of it all and wanting to keep <laughs> the story going. But like, yeah, after playing this, where are you at in terms of wanting or not wanting to see more in this, in this setting or with these characters? I mean, I feel like, at this point, I want more spooky stuff. I want more night school. I do feel like after spending two games with this specific narrative about these Kanaloa ghosts and the radio frequencies, like I think if they took the concept of other multiple timelines, r- access through radio, portals between dimensions, between timelines, um, you know, the multiverse, that kind of vibe. Like if they told a new story with those same pieces, I think that could be really compelling. I do kind of feel like the story, this story about this island and these people have kind of reached its conclusion for me. Um, But I definitely want more of games like this from this studio. (laughs) I'll start there. (laughs) No, I I agree with that. I think, I don't know if this game (laughs) needed to happen. Like, and, and again, if I'm playing editor, I might say like, I don't think we needed to keep the setting. I don't know that we needed the ties that exist between this game Mm. and the first game. Uh, You know, I I don't, we don't really, I don't want to talk about that too much because I think it's very spoilery to talk too much about how this game ties in with the first one. Um, But there's ties there. And I think, it's actually some of the weaker mm-hmm. stuff in the game, narratively speaking. And I like, I like night school. I liked after party. I thought that, you know, it was an imperfect game too, but I thought it was really cool. And that was completely different characters, completely different setting. I agree that I really like the spookiness and like the way the Canaloa crew talks and like all of those vibes are very, very cool, but I just don't need more stuff that's connecting back to this 
this core story anymore. Yeah. I think I think it was probably already pretty done and dusted. And unless they could find a really novel way to re-engage it, I don't know if I'd I'd want that. Like I think it does kind of just start to become a oh the USS Cantaloa crew's at it again. <laughs> yeah. How are we gonna put them back in their box this time? Yeah. yeah. Um and kind of takes away from I don't know what made the story so interesting and unique the first time around mm-hmm. in Oxen Free One. So I don't need any more of this. I'm happy enough that we got this sequel. I think it's pretty good. I think people should play it if if they're interested in what we've been saying. I I think all the things that Night School does well are still on display in this game. But I actually think that if they had kind of just moved into a new setting, maybe it would have had a stronger game overall. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Well, time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more Pixel Therapy, come check us out at patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod, where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important and we appreciate it just as much. And of course, you can keep up with all of this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, You may have heard that uh, Hawaii is experiencing some horrible uh, wildfires currently that are um, displacing a bunch of folks and creating a lot of damage um, on the island. Um, and so we wanted to highlight um, Maui Mutual Aid. Uh, they can be found, uh, of course, we'll include the link in the show notes, um, but there's bit.ly slash Maui Mutual Aid. There's also an Instagram at Maui Rapid Response um, and a Facebook group, uh, Maui Fire, Flood, and Deep and disaster relief group. Um, all of that will be noted in the show notes. Um, but all funds, uh, collected, um, through these channels will be distributed as quickly as possible to vulnerable Hawaiians in need, um, prioritizing island elders, um, people with disabilities, um, renters and those who are uninsured or underinsured, um, these groups have also been posting needs lists, um, and, uh, drop off locations, um, for, uh, various uh, goods and and items um, that would be helpful to folks um, and just check out those the the groups the pages um, to get more information about that um, but that's Maui mutual aid um, if you're able to uh, throw a dollar or two their way yeah thank you for thank you for that side quest Spencer that is our show for today so go forth run a story mission level up some stats and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more Pixel Pixel Therapy. Therapy. Bye-bye.